fam, Ying here once again, uh, and I have the honor of bringing you the word today. Um, before I get started, I just want to tell you that I miss you and I love you and I, I'm so encouraged by you all. So hugs and hugs, here, air hug. Also, um, let me just open us up in a word of prayer. God, I pray that in this season that you would make us, 99, this community fully aware of your dwelling among us, that you have come to bring dead things to life. You have come to plant gardens in barren soil. You have come to turn mourning into dancing, sorrow into laughter, brokenness into beauty. You have come to bear the shame of the guilty, to reconcile the sinner with the holy, that the wanderer may find a way home. Wheresoever in our lives that we've made room for you, God, I pray that you would enter in and declare those familiar words. Let there be light. And by those words set into motion the hidden procession of separating light from darkness until the veil falls and what is revealed in us is the image and the likeness of Christ. God, I commit these next few moments to you to speak, and to hear from you. Come, fill every empty cup until it overflows with abundance. Jesus, in your lovely name, I pray all these things. Amen. 99, welcome to December 2020. Uh, We've persevered, endured, and even thrived during this historically abnormal and difficult year. As you know, during this year, our church recently celebrated our two-year anniversary, and we released a yearbook in which some of the individuals of our community told their testimonies and stories of what they went through this past season. For example, Alex told a story about how during a particularly tough time for him, in the midst of the pandemic, he went on a hike to be with God and found breakthrough when he reached the peak and he threw his arms up in worship. John and Soph trusted God and his timing to oversee their transition into San Francisco and the covenant of love that they formed through marriage. Jasmine talked about how she locked herself in a room for hours to express everything she was feeling to God. And then she made the decision to find joy, peace, and comfort in him, and then watched as new opportunities opened up before her thereafter. These are just some of the stories found in our yearbook. And if you haven't gotten one already, uh, I highly recommend getting one, and you can talk to Mickey or Krista about that. And Isaac. Isaac started a podcast, Saints of San Francisco, where he gives members of our community a segment to share their stories about faith and work and fulfillment. And if you haven't given it a listen, I highly recommend it that you check that out. Highly recommend it. So good. And at the time that I wrote this sermon, there were only a few episodes uh, released. But from our community, he had my guy, Kevin Libertino, on, 
who talked about his unconventional route to becoming a product manager or a product developer, designer at Microsoft, with his journey being marked by his faith that if God won't give up on him, he won't give up either. Vanessa talked about how the intimacy with God that she developed in a particularly painful time in her life led her to pivot her career path and pursue what I unbiasedly consider the noblest of all professions, to be a personal trainer. Hey, shout out to all the fitness professionals tuning in. Jay talked about how his time with God during a missions trip gave birth to his dream of uniting believers all, through, like all over the world and in the workplace with technology through his very own Zion app. And these are just a few of the stories of what God is birthing in our community this season. And I'm sure there are many more stories like these that are yet untold. But maybe... Maybe you read or you listen to these testimonies and you can't relate. Maybe you hear about what God is doing in someone else's life. And you're thinking, cool, it's great what God's doing in your life. It really is. I just don't see him working in that way in my life. Maybe you're sitting there at the end of 2020 and you're remembering how difficult this year was. And if that's you, I think I have a word for you today. Maybe you've lost your job, or maybe you've lost loved ones to that pandemic. Maybe you're losing hope because the promises of God seem so far removed from your current experience. Maybe rather than a year of fulfillment, 2020 has been another year of emptiness, of waiting, waiting for dreams to be fulfilled waiting for this pandemic to be over so that you can safely embrace your loved ones once again, waiting for the cops who killed Breonna Taylor to be brought before the justice system and be charged with murder, waiting for the next steps to take in your career, waiting for your chance at romance. And there's something about waiting that just drains and beats on the soul. Waiting takes control out of our hands, kind of like online shopping or texting a crush. I mean, you buy an item or you send your heartfelt text and then you wait. You did your thing and now there's nothing left to do but wait. I mean, your item might get lost or damaged in transit. You know, my, your crush might just leave your text on red or maybe not read it at all. I mean, have you, have you ever had to wait on a text from your crush? Man, that's, whew, that's agonizing to the heart. Waiting puts us in a helpless position, you know, powerless to produce a desired outcome. And see, the process of waiting is the nature of the wilderness seasons of our soul. It's in the wilderness seasons where we lose all sense of control over the circumstances of our lives. 
It's there that our hopes and our and desires are seemingly just taken out of our hands. It's in the wilderness that we feel the agony, the long-suffering of waiting. And as we observe the Advent season, we remember and we celebrate the arrival of Christ, born of flesh, Savior of the world. But we also need to remember the circumstances of his arrival Jesus didn't come during the triumphant, victorious, or prosperous time of Israel's history. He didn't come during the splendor of the temple, or the strength of the city walls, or in the joy of the singing. He came to his people during the time when they were exiled. Their temple and city walls were destroyed, and their land placed under foreign occupation. They were powerless and helpless, having lost all control over the circumstances of their existence as a nation. On top of that, it's been 400 years of silence since the last prophet spoke. Now, that's a long time to wait. 400 years is longer than the history of America. And if you tune in last week, you know that Mickey's sermon title was God of the Goop. And man, Israel was in the goop. 400 years of silence, 400 years of waiting, waiting for a word, waiting for their Messiah. And then, and then a glorious declaration coming from where else? but from the wilderness. And this is the announcement as written in Matthew 3. So Matthew 3, uh, 1 to 6. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And I think this detail is so important, that this voice came out from the wilderness. See, John wasn't like regular folk. He spent his life in the wilderness to cultivate his word and his message. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make his path straight. Yes, the wilderness is a place of discomfort and confusion, unfamiliarity, oftentimes pain and agonizing heartache, but it is also a place of cultivation. Look at Moses. He spent 40 years in the wilderness learning how to shepherd sheep before spending 40 years 
before spending 40 years shepherding and leading the people of Israel through the wilderness. David had to spend years in the wilderness learning how to encourage himself in the Lord and being king over a band of misfits and rejects before taking his place as king of Israel. And I truly believe that you cannot properly tune your ears to the frequency of God speaking without having gone through the, cr- the crucible that is the wilderness season. I mean, does it ever occur to you that whenever you read about the prophets in the Bible, that they somehow, and by somehow I mean by the spirit and will of God, somehow they find themselves in the wilderness? I mean, read Elijah's story in 1 Kings. I mean, do we have any prophets in the house? Um, yo, prophets, I'm giving you a word right now. I mean, I was 67% apostle and 65% prophet when I took the fivefold spiritual gift test. So I consider myself to have a prophetic leaning in regards to my giftings. And even preparing the sermon. You know, I was just reflecting on how much 2020 sucked. I I was being honest with God, telling him that I'm unhappy and and I'm lonely and I'm waiting for this stupid virus to go away so that the gym that I work at can open up again and I can train my clients. I'm waiting for this to pass so that I can see my grandmother who's living her last years. I'm waiting for this to end so that I can go out and date and fall in love and get married and do married people stuff, whatever you married people do. And I'm expressing all this to him. My emptiness and lack of motivation or drive or anticipation for anything good to come from the day. And then I just shut up. And it's his turn to talk. And he reminds me of his promises. That I'll see his goodness in the land of the living. That he has plans for me, plans for a hope and a future. That he works all things in my life for good. Because I love him. And because I'm called according to his purpose. And that the good work that he started in me, he will bring to completion. All galaxy first team. And so I chose where I choose to incline my ear to the truth of his voice over the voice of my current experience. Like, fam, even though this year wasn't kind to me, like, even though it was a year of waiting rather than a year of fulfillment, I realized that during this year, I learned how to hear God's voice so much better. I don't think this year was kind to any of us. For many of us, it was a year of waiting. But let me tell you, waiting is an invitation into the wilderness. The wilderness is inviting. And notice in this passage in Matthew 3, verse 5 to 6, it says, Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. They were going out to John. And they were being baptized by him 
in the river Jordan confessing their sin. People were going out into the wilderness to hear John's message of Jesus, his arrival. They were leaving their places of comfort to hear this disheveled, homeless-looking dude preach. Imagine that. I mean, John's described as a crazy dude, living out in the wilderness, eating bugs and honey. Yet people went out of civilization into the place of discomfort and wilderness to receive the first revelation of God in 400 years. Why? Because they were waiting for it. So yes, in the wilderness, you will feel discomfort and agony and the long-suffering of waiting. But where pain is felt, there is also a grace to encounter Holy Spirit by his name, Comforter. There is a grace to know God more than you have ever before and to become more like him, and to know his voice. It is a place of preparation and testing and intimacy for those he loves. For those he loves. Listen to the words of Hosea 2, 14 and 15. It says, Therefore, I am going to allure her, I will lead her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. Then I will give her back her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. That word, allure, that's seductive. That's lover's talk. He brings into the wilderness those whom he loves. So if, you, if you're finding yourself in this season of waiting and wilderness, know that he loves you. There is a grace to experience the intense love of God in the midst of pain and confusion. There is an opportunity to cultivate intimacy with your first love. Even Jesus went through the wilderness 40 days to feed himself on the word of his father as a prerequisite to his ministry. I mean, if you're going through it right now, he loves you and has a purpose and destiny for you beyond what you can ever imagine waiting to be unveiled. And so as we observe This Advent season, we remember that Jesus' arrival came during the time of waiting and wilderness. And he did his thing, fulfilled his destiny by death on the cross, resurrection from the grave, and ascension into his heavenly throne, becoming the Savior for all mankind. But on our side of the cross, we live for the second Advent. His coming again. And just like before, our time is marked by waiting. Waiting for him to come again. Waiting for him to take us to the place that he prepared for us. Waiting for him to wipe every tear. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Waiting to see his face. His face. 
His glory unveiled. And I don't think many of you know this about me, but one of my dreams and deepest desires is to see God appear before me as a warrior dressed in full armor. Like, he appeared before Moses like a burning bush, but then he appeared before Joshua as a warrior dressed in armor. And I thought, yo, that is so much cooler than a burning bush. I mean, he appeared to many people in many forms, but warrior Jesus is by far the coolest. And so at every church retreat I've been to since college, I would sneak out of my room in the middle of the night, like even around maybe 2 or 3 a.m., and go to an isolated place and pray and wait for God to appear to me in that way. You know, almost every night, at every church retreat since college, I've been waiting for warrior Jesus to physically meet with me. And to this day, he never has. And in my lifetime, he might not ever. But that desire never left me. You know, I still ask. And when he doesn't show up that way at 3 a.m., at church retreat, I'm not angry or dejected because what this desire is producing in me is not the accumulation of disappointment, but the cultivation of longing. Longing, like the more you wait for something, the more you want it, and the more you'll cherish it once you receive it. And fam, I am going to see warrior Jesus one day whether in this life or the next. And when that day comes, you're going to see from me an expression of joy that you've never seen before. Like, I'm going to be laughing and yelling and ripping my shirt off and jumping up and down and crying all at the same time. I mean, so basically what I do now, but times a jillion, a gajillion. It's like preparing to get married, at least in our culture and context. You prepare for marriage by developing a longing and intimacy with your future spouse. And that's what makes your wedding day all the more joyful, I think. You know, I wouldn't know. But anyway, um, I just want to encourage you, 99, and challenge you. You know, let this Advent season, as well as the rest of your life of waiting and wilderness, be the place that you fall in love with Jesus. I don't know how long you'll have to wait for the, fulfill, for the fulfillment of his promises. But in the midst of pain and agony of waiting and wilderness, find the grace to tune your ears to his voice, to develop intimacy and knowledge of his love, and to cultivate a heart of longing to be with him. Because one day after redemption has run its course and every promise has been fulfilled, heaven and earth will meet like a sloppy wet kiss. You know, the wedding bells will ring and the Lord our God will take you, church, to be his bride. On that day, he will wipe away every tear and there will be no more 
death or mourning or crying or pain. And the sun will no longer be your brightness by day, nor the moon your light by night. But God will be your everlasting light, and you will know fully his love forever. So, oh God, how, how we await with long-suffering, yet joyous anticipation in that day when you'll arrive again. That second coming, that second advent, let us through whatever, or lead us through whatever wilderness we must, but grace us with your voice and your presence and your love. We love you, Lord. We proclaim you and we await you. So come, amen. Come, Lord Jesus.